Welcome to a new episode of Craft Beer Conversations, where the beer and the conversation is always on me. Michigan is a premier craft beer destination. Some of the best flavors are produced right here stateside. But how do the beers get on the shelves of your favorite stores and on tap in your favorite bar? Well, a good chunk of those kegs and cans are distributed by M4CIC, which is based in Washtenaw County. I went to their new facility to hang out with co-owner Mike Turriff, who owns the company with his wife Megan. Mike and I talk about the company's growth and the power of Michigan's craft beer product and how they help decide what hits the shelves. Mike, let's just start with this because, you know, I, I don't like talking about the pandemic because it seems to dominate all the conversation, but how drastic has the change been for you since the pandemic? Because we've seen the evolution of online sales. They've changed things a little bit, but obviously for you guys, it hasn't slowed things down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, we get that question all the time and, 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 uh, for us, it, it, it definitely had an effect. I mean, we went from, you know, I, being as a wholesaler, we're very, very numbers driven and everything we do is based upon numbers because all of our supplier partners look at numbers and things like that. I mean, they don't, that's not the bottom line for everybody, but that's what they look at. So if you take a look at, at our business trends last year, you know, we were up substantial second our double digits last year on March 13th. Then we lost 50% of our business overnight when, when the on-premise closed. And, and by the way, like, like we're fully supportive of everything that's going on. Like we know that decisions had to be made. And you know we're not one of those ones that bang the drums and like demand things to be open. Like, like that's not what we're all about. We want everyone to be safe. But so we lost 50% of our business overnight, and we had a pretty bleak two months. But we still finished the year. So we went from uh, you know double digits up, uh, you know just just shy of 20% to being down over 20% for the year. It's a hell of a swing. With, within a two-month period, and then we actually finished up uh, flat to up for the year. So we went you know up high, down really low, and then we actually we had to rally it back. And that was really from going from a transition of focusing on on-premise to focusing on the off-premise trade and package products. And luckily, some of our great partners like Brew Detroit and other people were able to get us as much beer as we needed. Um, but for us, the one thing that really doesn't affect us is that you can't really do online shopping in beer. It's illegal in the state. Um, so online didn't really have to fo- didn't really ben- didn't really impact um, the beer business overall, other than it made it a little bit easier for local breweries and things like that to actually make home deliveries, right. which, which is great. I mean, like all of our brewery partners, like, like, like I can honestly say it, like our brewery partners, like Ascension or drafting table and things like that, unless they had that to go business, unless they had that at home delivery business, they may not be here right now. Unless speciation was doing that or some of these other guys. So, so you that, don't see that, that as like a threat or like competition. It's just like a, no. like, an, like an additive. No, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, our biggest thing that we always say from day one for all of our, our all of our partners is that we will never ask our partners to give us more beer than they feel comfortable doing, meaning that I want them to sell as many pints across the rail as they possibly can. The reason for that is that they make a hell of a lot more money that, across the rail than they'll ever make by me selling beer just because obviously we have to make money too. So when you have a four-pack of beer at a, at a, at a brew pub or a brewery that costs $18 out the door, I sell it $18 at a retail account. Well, guess what? I take my cut. The retailer takes their cut. So, so their profits are much lower. So for me, we want them to sell as much beer across the rail as they can in-house because when they do that, then they can buy more fun things like more stainless and more tanks. And then they can get bigger. And then eventually, we're in this for the long haul. We're not, we're not doing it for the short, short game. Well, and I've been to places like Brew Detroit or Ascension where I've seen what happens when they start to grow and all of a sudden at a place like Ascension, you know, they've got a great facility. And I know that the, the top side is confusing. You see this little brew house and you're like, no way. But then they show you the basement. And you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but I know even for them, they're like, we can't. And these are things that I love to hear. I love to hear this. We can't make enough beer. 
And, yeah. and that's what I want to hear. Yeah. Everyone, I, I know for a fact that every one of our brewery partners that was able to pivot last year, um, and I can't say everyone, there, there was a couple that, that, that didn't, but that didn't have the ability to pivot into packaging and to doing cans, moving from draft to more cans, all had positive years as far as volume last year. Brew Detroit was up last year. Ascension w- w- was flat up last year. Drafting Table was up last year. And I mean, some of our partners, they didn't have canning lines, so they weren't able to do that. And, 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 and we try to work them as best as we can, and they got creative in other ways too, but yeah, I mean, anyone that that pivoted and hustled harder during the pandemic is better off now. I think I think, in general, any business out there, at least in the beer and wine industry, that showed like significant declines during the pandemic, I'm not saying that that you didn't try, but I'm also saying that you probably could have you know found different avenues. And we found different avenues by going to non-alcoholics and and things like that. Like you have to be able to pivot, you have to be able to nimble, and we have the ability that. That being as the size that we are, we can do that. But I don't know any beer wholesaler in the state that 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 wasn't that wasn't up last year. All the big wholesalers, if they tell you that they were down last year, they're all lying to your face. Because you know what? The numbers say they're up. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt. Yeah, yeah, they're all up now. You know, I won't even get into the whole fact that they were up and they laid people off and all that other stuff. I I, I won't even get into that because it'll get me in trouble. But you know, I mean, like I'm very proud to say that. From the day the pandemic hit and we got shut down on March 13th last year, you know, the day that'll live in infamy of 2020, um, we did not lay one person off. We kept all of our staff on. We actually increased our overhead and our staff. We actually hired people and we're hiring people again. So we're building for the future, you know. We'll I mean, talk liter- about, literally. Yeah, literally. We're, we're, we're standing in our, in, our, in our new warehouse that we're building out right now. Uh, so do you hear any banging? That's why in the background. <laughs> so we'll come back to that. And I actually want to talk about your staff as well, because it's one of my favorite things. No matter where I go, I love hearing about the people that make these businesses go every day. I know that, Mike, you and your wife are at the head of it, but there are so many people that are around you that make it go. But but I, I want to talk about some of your brands and, you know, the craft beer world to me, who is a neophyte, everything is so dizzying, right? Like I walk in to whatever grocery store or or holiday or eight degrees Plato, and I'm like, oh my God, how do I possibly decide? But you're the conduit. You're the one in between. And so like what's the process like deciding which beers or 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 meads or non-alcoholics? How how does that work? And I know that there's a there's a, a, a sales process, but to me I'm I'm more curious about like the curation element, right? Like we're drinking this Aslan right now. Was it just because of a certain buy or sell, or was there something about the beer that you liked? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I think first and foremost, everything that that, that we do, that, that my wife and I have done since the day we started the company six years ago. I mean, my wife and I are, are sole owners of the, of the business. You know, M4, which I'd be remiss to say, M4 stands for the names of my wife and I, Megan and I, and our two children. It's it's a family run business. It always will be. Um, you know, so my children better not sell the business after I retire. <laughs> I'll save this for posterity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I won't swear so they can hear me. But, um, but uh, the, uh, I, I mean, for us, it, it, it all starts from really for us. We we get approached uh, almost on, on a weekly, uh, if not a couple times a week basis, from new breweries. And really, for us, the first process we do is is we really sit down and we do background, almost like a, a, a light background check on these breweries and and find out what they're all about. Um, I mean, we don't want to partner with somebody who's got a, who's got a bad rap in the in the beer business. You know, for us, it's really it starts and ends all about relationship building. That's everything we do from from the beginning to the end. I mean, you have to build relationships in this business to be able to sell beer. Um, so for us, it really starts at the beginning. You know, um, you know, so take someone like Drafting Table for example. We were drawn to Drafting Table because of Aaron and Kristen. You know, married couple trying to work out, trying to do what they're doing. 
um, and build the building. That's how we got started. You know, Stephen down at Batch. Stephen hustles harder than anyone I know in the, yeah, in the business down in Detroit. Yeah. That's what drew us to Stephen. You know, River's Edge, what drew us to them is just th- just their whole thing of, of Aaron and Kerry, what they're trying to do, the owners and their brewers and things like that. So it, it, it really – or, you know, Mitch and Whitney at Speciation. You know, Mitch, I'll never forget, I was sitting on a – a little rise at summer beer fest and this guy came up to me tell me how he was going to build this farmhouse brewery and do spontaneous beers and barrel aged beers and i was like sweet let's talk and then he came to me and then that, that was that was the end i'll be all of that so really for us it all starts about kind of a little bit of their and i hate to use the word but i'll use it their ethos and what they're all about and then from there we never really want to have you know i don't want to have six breweries that make nothing but hazy beer like hazy beers are great but eventually at some point they're all going to start cannibalizing each other so we really try to look at, um, at least definitely with our in-state breweries and our Michigan brewery partners and our, our Michigan family members, we really try to look at breweries that kind of differentiate themselves. Um, you know, stat, Stephen's mentality down at Batch is different than what Brewery Detroit's doing. Yeah, you they're know? like a block apart, but it's yeah, a totally different the, the, world. You, you can see each other, you know. Um, you know, what Drafting Table is doing, what River's Edge is completely doing. Drafting Table is doing more, more of the hype styles and the barrel-aged stouts and making amazing beers like Professional Pilsner. And River's Edge is doing traditional English styles. Like, like I'll put their Kolsch up against any single beer out there, and I guarantee you it'll beat or their Dirty Frank Stout. And, you know, and then you have people like Ed out at City Bill, who's hustling in Grand Rapids. And you know, just the people that we work with, in, in spe- and he and Speciation do completely different things. So we try to differentiate ourselves first and foremost on a relationship basis and who they're all about, what they're trying to do. And then we really try to drill down on what the beer is. And it's not... Uh, a sales thing, whatever. Like Aslan came about because we work with our with our friends at at Homes, who we who we work on the Troubadour, the, the Smooge brand with. We do a beer fest. I've with heard them that's every- popular. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. We'll try some in a little bit. Um, it's great. Uh, we do uh, a beer festival with them every year called Nucleate, which is where we raise money for ALS, which is really near and dear to our heart because my um, unfortunately my, my mother in law has ALS. Um, but so for us, it's really important to work with them. So we meet people like Aslan who we bring in for these festivals um, and things like that. So then eventually we cultivate those things. So we met the Aslan folks two years ago. It took us two years to get them in the state. And then it kind of just all came together. So there's not really any set formula. Like we don't have a playbook. It's just kind of, we really try to uh, kind of work from first and foremost, what the brewery is all about, making sure that they're good human beings. You know, can I sit down and drink a beer with you? Yes. Great. Let's talk. If I can't, we're not going to sell your beer. And I, I, by the way, that should be the, like the universal standard of doing business in any sense of the form, yeah. right? Like if we can't sit down and have a rational conversation over a uh, a craft beer, what about the other side, right? Obviously, you take the beer from places like Brew Detroit or Ascension or City Built, but then it has to go somewhere. You have you have two, and maybe you don't, maybe I don't have this right, but it seems to me you have two customers, right? You have the people that bring you the beer that you distribute, but then it has to go somewhere as well. It's got to go to a grocery store, a bar, right? What's the relationship like on the other side? So, I mean, so it's, in a lot of ways, it's the same relationship. It's all about customer service and the other thing. So for, from the supplier standpoint, or, or as we call our family members, because everything we do is we call it our M4 family. So our biggest thing for us is that when, when we partner with Steven at Batch or when we partner with Tommy and the folks out at Smooge and things like that, um, you know, or, or, or we part most recently, you know, Chris and in the, in the Watermark crew or, or Chris Betts down at Transient. When we partner with these people, our number one goal is we're not hiring them. They're hiring us. So they're hiring us to represent the brand as they see fit. So it's all about customer service. Our whole deal is that we have to serve what their best interests are. And the flip side we have to have great customer service for our retail partners as well. Because if we don't bring them what they want, if we don't bring them an outstanding and do what we tell them we're going to do, they're going to go somewhere else. 
You know what I mean? There's so many different hazy beers out there. I like to think that ours are the best. But at the same time, too, you can find hazy beers out there. I mean, you, you can find a counterpart for any of the beers in our portfolio. And excuse me, I just, uh, the beer. Yeah. Um, I won't name other, other brewery names, but there's things out there, too. So it really boils down to the knowledge that we have, our, our sales staff has, and um, the knowledge that, that we bring, and really just the customer service. And, like, we don't, you'll never see our guys hammering on people to buy beer. It's all about just relationship building and kind of working on that. So it's, it's kind of the same thing on both ends, just a little bit, a little different tweak on it. So I said this, and I meant it. Tell me about your staff, right? Because obviously you guys have people all over the place that are out making this work every single day, whether it's sales reps or drivers or what have you. I just I wonder what kind of staff you have and what the – I don't need to know about the training per se, but I wonder what, like, the education is like because, I mean, this is such a knowledge-based business, yeah. right? And there's so much going on. Yeah, so for me – the biggest thing that we look at, and obviously when we hire our, our operations staff and our drivers, their knowledge base is completely different um, than what our sales staff is. Um, you know, we have one driver, uh, Scott, who, who's great, who does not drink craft beer at all. He drinks scotch and, and scotchy scotch, 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 yeah, scotch all yeah. day long. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, Scott also likes to go hiding, camping in the woods for like three weeks on end in the snow. Like he's that kind of guy. Brave guy. With, with, with his dogs. Um, and then we have another driver, Noah, who's the biggest craft beer in there ever so and mike's the same way so it, it varying there but really for our sales staff what we look for is i tell people all the time i can teach you how to sell i can't teach passion so for me our entire staff everyone we work with for the most part has come to us because we've known them in the beer business you know our sales rep down in detroit jack used to be a beer buyer at, at rochester taproom when it was open justin used to work at eight degrees play-doh you know alex used to be a buyer at hopcat greg used to be a buyer at hopcat Marty used to be a buyer at Hopcat and used to work for outside. So all of our people have extensive beer backgrounds. You know, Eric, one of our sales reps now, used to own a brewery. Now, he sold that brewery, he's moved on. So now he works for us, now he runs the central state of, of Michigan for us. So all of our people have extensive beer backgrounds. And if they don't know how to sell, we'll teach them how to sell. Because really, all selling is, is just following up and doing what you say you're going to do. So I can't teach them passion. I can't teach them you know, I can teach them beer knowledge if need be, but I really need to be able to teach them how to sell if need be. But the biggest thing is just passion. Like, they have to have passion for what they do. If, they don't have, if you don't have passion, don't call me and ask me for a job because I won't hire you. Talk about passion. I mean, you and your wife have so much into this, and I'll let you talk about it as, as only as you're comfortable. But, like, you know, we're standing in this building. Obviously, you guys are growing. You're expanding. Tell me about the the, the drive to to keep growing because you said to me before you thought when you moved into your first space it was like six thousand square feet you'd never have to leave and you know x amount of years later you and i are standing in another building i was talking to sam about this earlier today and sam's a, a, a good friend of ours who's, who's you mentioned the building who, who's kind of our, our gc who's working on the build out Whom for you us. met through the beer community as well by who, the yes, way who, who i used to see at beer festivals and i was like man that guy looks familiar and i keep on seeing him at beer festivals and i'd be like hey man you're from detroit he's like yeah my name's sam my name's mike and he's like oh you own that beer wholesaler i'm like yeah you're a beer nerd um, so and that's kind of how we became friends. And then I realized he was a, he, he had a construction business and did commercial real estate and commercial build outs, which is, yes, we're standing in a new building right now. We're, we're building out our, our, our new home. Um, you know, we're going from 6,000 square feet to substantially more square feet, about three times that size in the warehouse space. But, um, for me, I mean, it, it, it I, I've come from a background of family businesses. My father has owned his own businesses all his life. My brother owns his own business. My, my, my other brother worked in family businesses. So for me, like this entrepreneurship has been kind of ingrained in me since I was a child. And 
I'll never forget the day when I was, you know, get a little wax nostalgia, a uh, long, long time ago, bef- long, long time ago, um, when I was 22 and I graduated college, um, you know, 24 years ago. Um, and, and my dad came to me and said, hey, I want you to come work for me and, and, and do chemical sales. You know, my dad owned a chemical distributor in Chicago. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to I I make my own way and, and make my way and figure out what I want to do. And then, you know, I started working in the wine industry in Goose Island back when it was small. And, you know, fast forward. To Hard 20, to imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 used, I, I remember I used to run all Chicago and downstate Illinois from the we, we run out of their summer beer in July. Um, but uh, this is way before Anheuser-Busch bought them. But um, I'll yeah, take a Sophie any day. Yeah, I, I remember during Demolition 1800 in the tap room on tap, and, and I remember when Bourbon County Stout would last entire years. So anyways, <laughs> anyway. but, um, I, I digress. But uh, I, it, this always comes to background, and, and it really came, M4 came about because I, I really saw there was just wasn't really a voice for a lot of these small brewery people, like people like Speciation, who are really, really small, or, or Batch when they're really small, or Drafting Table, who was you know 300 barrels when they signed on with us, and now is doing over 1,500 barrels. Um, so there wasn't a voice for them in the distributor market. So we, we kind of, my wife and I hatched this plan. I came to her. She told me I was crazy. Um, then you? a day later said, okay, let's think about it. And, you know, we're not doing this cause it's for the fun of it. I mean, it, it's hard work, but, but we're passionate about it. We're really about like, we're all about, it sounds super cheesy, but we're really all about making the world a better place and, and really about really bringing great beer to people and being passionate about that. I mean, it wouldn't be, we, we could stay in our current facility and our current warehouse and not bring more brands on and not bring new beer out and not really grow our current brands, but that doesn't really serve them any good, you know? So we're in this new warehouse, we're, we're building out the space, we're, there's construction going on in the background because they're, they're hammering up VCT tile, which I don't know if you is, that's a glue down tile. I know nothing about anything. Yeah, so it's it, it, it's not a fun process. I'm happy I'm not doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it really all stems from the passion just for, you know, getting fun, new, exciting things out to people. And that's what we're kind of all really about. Talk about the way you guys handle uh, going green, right? I know that's something that you guys are really proud of. And it's something that obviously in the long run for you will have a benefit. But when you're talking about upfront costs, it has zero benefit. But I just tell me about what you guys are going to do and, and really why. Yeah, I mean, so my wife and I have two children, as I mentioned before. You know, this this world that we live on this earth, it's the only one we got. It's not getting better. It's not getting better. You know, um, I'm going to swear really quick, so I apologize. But if you think global warming is a myth, f- off. It's not. So, um, you know, that's my one swear word. My wife will yell at me. It's okay. Um, Allowed. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I tend to swear a lot, but it's okay. Um, so for us, I mean, like, the earth isn't, isn't we're, we're going to have to be here. Like, it's not going anyplace. So. Why do we continue to do these things that where we can do things that will make the earth, earth a better place to make it more habitable for our children and future generations? So it's a little small steps, but one of the biggest upfront things about uh, greenhouse gases, obviously, is fuel emissions and things like that and diesel and exhaust and things like that. We deliver beer for a living. We drive for a living. Well, it's like you said to me earlier, you know, it took diesel fuel to get this Aslan can yeah. into my hand. Yeah, it yeah. came from Virginia. So, yeah. So like... Our first step of that is very, very simple. The, 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 and, and, and I know they won't hear this podcast, so I can talk about it. But um, our freight program that we work with, for every single mile that we, that, that, that we book with them, obviously there's, there's emission gas and things come off. They buy carbon offsets for every single mile that, that, that we ship, for every single thing we do. So that's the only freight broker we use. So I know that every single drop of beer that comes in, that we bring into the state of Michigan, there's a carbon offset for that, for that beer. 
And for those that don't know, that could mean that they're um, somebody somewhere. They they pay them X amount of dollars to plant X amount of trees yeah. to offset the, the 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 damage done by the diesel fuel use. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so that's the first thing. Um, second thing, our 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 fleet. We we try to use most fuel efficient vehicles we possibly can. Whether that be you know I, I mentioned diesel. Diesel runs cleaner. It burns cleaner. It's more fit gas efficient. So we have d- diesel box trucks. We also have, you know, sprinter vans. All our things are done in, in box trucks and or not box trucks and vans, which get better gas mileage, less fuel, things like that. So that's, that's from an operations standpoint. But one of the biggest things in the beer industry, and um, obviously everybody likes cold beer. So except for the English people. Yeah, except for the English people, um, <laughs> which pub ales are fantastic. But yeah. um, everybody likes cold beer. So when, to get a beer cold, to get out to market, you have to take this 15 and a half barrel, 15 and a half gallon keg of beer and cool it down. So we have to have a very, very large refrigerator on the house. So in this current facility, we are building a gigantic keg cooler to keep all of our beer cold. That causes that uses a lot of energy to do that. So what are we doing? We are actually covering our entire roof of our new facility in solar. So it is our plan to be the one, the first and only wholesaler in the state of Michigan that's 100% powered by solar for all of our on-site operations. Now, we can't be solar, obviously, for our fleet vehicles, but everything we do... We will, we will produce enough solar energy in this facility to actually be selling energy back to the grid uh, during, during, during the, the high solar months of the summertime and things like that. And, and that kind of stuff, like, you know, one of the things I love about the craft beer community, and, you know, I'm just a small piece on the outside looking in, but it, the, the amount of care that the community seems to have for one another, those inside the community, but just kind of in general, right? I feel like while not everybody's doing exactly what you're doing, that concept of waste less, one, because it's more economically sustainable, obviously, but I just, I feel like that caring extends beyond just each other when it comes to the community. And I think things that you're doing are indicative of that. And I mean, because obviously you could have done this without doing that and probably saved yourself some money on the front side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we would have saved us significant six figures by not having to put solar in but i mean it, it also yeah i mean that's part of it. it it goes beyond that too i mean one of the biggest things that drives me crazy is that whenever we get beer in it comes across on, on truck trailers how is that beer secured it's wrapped in plastic right plastic is not plastic is not a renewable you know element or whatever it's not really renewable yeah you, you can recycle plastic but guess what you can't recycle you can't recycle shrink wrap Shrink wrap is 100% non-recyclable. So we have shrink wrap coming on everything. So what do we do in-house? We have reusable shrink wrap. We have these mesh things that, that, that look like shrink wrap that go around the pallet. So if we're shipping full pallets out to Holiday Market, for example, instead of wrapping that beer up with plastic, we wrap it with these reusable shrink wrap things. We take them, we drop it off, we pull them off, and we bring them back. So we can reuse them so we're not putting more things in landfill. We have uh, all single-stream recycling on site. So all of our glass, all of our cardboard, everything will be recycled on site. All those bottles that you send... Uh, you know, that, that you send back and you bring back those 10 cent deposits, guess where they end up? They end up in this facility. Anything that we send and get sent back for the 10 cent deposit, we have to, we have to take and we 100% recycle it. Now, all beer wholesalers do, but we're doing that all on site. So we're even recycling everything on site, all of our cardboard on site, as much of the plastic we can, and, and really just trying to be as, as green as possible. And yeah, like you said, there's, there, there's an inherent upfront cost about, uh, of, to do all these things. But in the long term, yeah, I mean, are we going to have a, a payback on the solar? Yes. Will it be in a year, two years? No. Will it be in five years? Probably not. But in 10 years, yeah. I mean, our keg cooler is not going to be achieved in the run. Plus, our, our warehouse itself is going to be temperature controlled. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of cooling. Y'all do 
meads and ciders and NA stuff as well. You know, we've seen a cider rise. That's not been um, anything new. But over the last year or so, I feel like there's been a lot more investment in the NA product. And I just I wonder what you guys see and and where do you think that goes? Yeah. So, I mean, um, obviously, the meat category and the cider category. Yeah, uh, we do plan that a little bit. One of our local partners, uh, Bloom uh, Mead Works out of Ann Arbor, you know, great company. Uh, once again, husband and wife owned. Um, you know, Matt and Lauren are, are fabulous human beings and they do everything, everything that when you buy Bloom, by the way, you want to talk about local, everything they use in their product from the ground up is produced in the state of Michigan. They buy all their honey from Michigan. They buy everything from Michigan, which actually drives their cost up and reduces our ability to sell it because there's just less of it, but it, it's well done. So I, I, I got to talk about Matt and, and Lauren about that, what they're doing. But yeah, the NA categories, we've really seen a big uh, jump and, and, and it really started back, um, before the pandemic, but really kind of accelerated in the pandemic. So, so we work with, obviously, now Alcoholic Beers and, and, and Mick Keller Brewing out of San Diego, put some fantastic NA beers out there. Um, and then Wellbeing Brewing out of St. Louis is, is kind of our, our lead NA brewer right now. Um, and then Untitled Art does some on, on NA stuff. But then we do a, a bunch of different um, sparkling waters from Dram out of Colorado. Untitled Art does some sparkling uh, CBD stuff, which, you know, whole other story for another day yes. uh, and then, and then yep. we work, work with a manufacturer in Traverse City called Suku which does some hemp tonics and then we're with a little uh, soda manufacturer in Detroit called Casimir Club which was kind of our first NA Jason Laval came to us and, and asked us to kind of take him on um, funny story is that Jason's label artist I, I can't think of his name right now is the same label artist who does Stillwater's labels which is one of our breweries and also does all the Aslan labels so oh, well. So that's kind of like the whole like full circle here is that the same label artist did the labels for, for three different three of our products. But Casimir Club, and it's really taken off for us. I mean, we're actually in the process right now. Uh, we're going to be working with a tea manufacturer called Rishi, which is um, one of the largest tea manufacturers in the, in the U.S. We're actually launching a line of their sparkling botanicals in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, so for us, I mean, NAs is just another way for us to pivot um, and, and, you know, the, try to hustle as, as hard as possible. But really for us, I mean, there's this whole thing that like the health benefits of an alcoholic beer are actually great. I mean, you get all the health benefits of drinking a beer that they say, like, you know, after you have a hard race, drink a beer. It's the fastest way to get carbohydrates back in your body and proteins and things like that, but you don't have the alcohol. So, uh, numerous, numerous, uh, you know, gold medal winning, you know, athletes, uh, whatever the sports are, typically in the, in the cardio sports, all use non-alcoholic beer as kind of their, their replenishing, um, uh, and really use it in their training regimen. So there, there's a lot of health benefits for it. And, you know, there's, in general, like, you have everything from seltzers and stuff like that where are better for you because they're lower calories. I mean, it's still alcohol. This is just kind of the best of both worlds. You said something to me earlier, and you mentioned Smooge. What you said to me was before we turned the mics on, but you mentioned Smooge after we turned the mics on. And you said that you you, you sell things at some point, at least on, on hype, right? And, I mean, and Smooge had, I mean, what was behind that was crazy when it came out and how popular it was. I just, I wonder about like trend spotting and, and you don't have to go into too much detail, but just how that, how, how that works. Like with the seltzer had been so huge or with hazies or with smooge, right? There are so many beer trends and I wonder like you can see how they develop and, and where they go. What's that like? So I think um, social media is fantastic for certain things. It is, it is the bane of my existence. If, if on some days, if, if I want to be really, really grumpy, I'll just, I'll just go to Facebook and I'll be get really, really grumpy really, really fast. <laughs> it's easy. Uh, very, 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 very easy. At the same time, social media is great. Um, it, 
it really enables us to get a voice out and, and because of the, the regulations on, on how we can advertise and things like that, there's a bunch of different MLC regulations that we cannot, we can do a lot more things on social media because it's not paid advertising. So that's kind of how we do a lot of our things. But we also, you know, my wife does all of our marketing, does all of our social media uh, for us, you know. Um, Fantastic, by yeah, the way. Yeah, thank you. Uh, she does a, a fabulous job. Um, I mean, she spends so much time doing it and, and so much thought and so care um, that I know for a fact we wouldn't be at where we're at today without her. Um, but on top of that, too, she's constantly coming to me and, and we're constantly listening to our to our, our sales staff and our family members about what they're seeing, what what they're into. And really, you know, for us, it's just really trying to have open minds about everything. Um, if you would have told me that we're going to come out with this seltzer product that's essentially a smoothie in a glass with alcohol and it's going to be super thick and they have this huge mouthfeel, I would have been like, man, you're crazy. It's never going to work. Well, it's worked. You know what I mean? Like really, really, really yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, really, really well. I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of our top selling brands right now. So, I mean, that's one thing too, but, but just really trying to stay um, ahead of, of what's going on, staying cognizant of what's going on and, and really just talking to people and seeing what they're seeing in other markets, you know, talking to Sam, who I mentioned before, seeing what's working, what, what, what he's seeing out in Denver or, you know, talking to, for us, you know, we have a, a great network of other, of other like-minded and small wholesalers across the U.S. That, that I talk to on a weekly basis, whether it's, you know, Michael in Cincinnati or Eddie in, in Indianapolis or, or Jeff in New Hampshire, all these different guys who we talk to are mad out in Nebraska. Like, I talk to them about what they're seeing in their markets, and they talk about what they're seeing in my markets. And, and every single one of them at T have come to me and said, yo, can I get that smooge contact? Because they, cause they see what we've been able to do here in Michigan and how we've been able to build that brand. So you mentioned like all, you've mentioned like so many great local brands here, whether it's from Grand Rapids or Ann Arbor or the metro area. You deal with booths from all over the world in this company. What makes Michigan beer stand out? I think first and foremost, I mean, there's a, there's this whole mentality of of you know, I equate it back to the auto industry back in the '70s of buy American. Um, you know, I've, I I I'm not a Michigander by by birth. Um, I won't tell you where I was born. It might have been to the state to the south. I lived there for about six months and I moved. So, so I'm not an Ohioan. But um, you know, I was born in Maslin, Ohio. Ohio, go Tigers! Uh, but you know, I, I did move to Michigan later in my adulthood, and, and I had never seen anything about you know whether it be living in in Chicago or Minnesota or Iowa or all the places I've lived before. I'd never seen anything like the the, the or, or, or just the this sense of pride that Michigan has, and. I think that translates over to its beer industry. I think, you know, you know, the Michigan Beer Brewers Guild, which we're, we're big supporters of, you know, labels themselves as, as the great beer state. You know, there's, there's other states that have, um, you know, more breweries in it. There's other states that sell more and make more beer than Michigan does. But I'll put Michigan beer up against any other, any other state as far as quality and, and, and the beers that, that we're doing. I mean, I mean, what other states out there have, you know, two of the top five brewers in the country or two of the top six, I think it is, in the country based out of it. You know, there's a little brewery in Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids right. um, that, that that hold those claims. And then, I mean, you just have everything. I mean, you can get any kind of beer you want from, you know, a craft brewed Mexican lager in Cerveza del Rey to a weird off-the-wall spontaneous ale made with, you know, four different fruits that was fermented on the side of Lake Huron by, by Mitch out at Speciation. You know, I mean, so, I mean, and then all the way up to, you know, a crazy smoothie style beer like in Smooge or, or Steven making um, amazing beers down at Batch. So, I mean, there's, there's just nothing that 
it, that I've ever seen that just the amount of pride that goes into it. And, and Michiganders love Michigan. And I mentioned the pride thing, but they really, really love and they really choose to support here. I mean, and it's it, it, it translates over into the beer industry. I mean, we have, we have hard traction sometimes with out-of-state breweries. I, I tell out-of-state breweries, like, if you want to come here and sell 30,000 cases a year, I'm not your wholesaler. Don't talk to me. We can't do that, and here's the reasons why. And a lot of them realize that over time. I mean, there's not a lot of the last – there hasn't been very many breweries that have come from out-of-state that have been successful. Well, and, and I, don't, I don't want to put anybody on blast, and I'm not in a position to do that, but I, I wonder about a place like Saucy Brew Works that's going to open in Detroit. They've got a great space. And, you know, they've got, a, they've got a good product. But, again, with so many other options, why would somebody choose something, like you said, that with so much pride involved that comes from somewhere else when there are so many good options right here? And I'm not saying people shouldn't go to Saucy. I just I, – I have that same yeah, thought. I mean, I mean it, it, it's the same thing with Granite City. I mean, Granite yeah. City is, is a, chain of brew, a chain of brew pubs across the, across the state. They don't brew beer at Granite City. They may ferment it on site, but the wort is brewed somewhere else and trucked in. So – they may only serve Granite City beers, but what they do is they actually produce the beer somewhere else. They bring it in, they throw it in fermenters, they, they pitch yeast, and that's all they do there. I mean, and that's a large portion of it. Don't get me wrong. You can really screw a beer up with fermentation and temperature control. I, I understand that. But it's not a Michigan-born brand. And if you, you know, Granite City or Saucy Brew Works, and, you know, I think Saucy's out of, like, Cleveland. Ohio, right? yeah, yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. So you can have Saucy Brew Works who can make the best IPA ever, but you also come from a state where there's two hearted. I can't sell an IPA that's that's ever going to compete with two hearted. You know, I can't sell. You know, there's a lot of different things I can't, I can't compete with. You know, two hearted is the is the pinnacle when it comes to IPAs. You know, and Larry's built that over the years. So why, as a consumer, would you ever go to something like that, that's not that that's trying to purport to be a Michigan-owned brand and a Michigan company when it's not actually? I mean, I mean, I, th- I think consumers will see through that pretty quickly. Well, and so let's end it on this. How do you strike that balance? Because obviously you do have, I mean, I, I keep mentioning Aslan because we've been consuming it as we've been speaking, but you do got, you do have brands from out of state and people from Michigan. I know the craft beer consumer is curious. We, we do want to support our Michigan brands, but we are willing, you know, if I'm buying four or five beers, maybe one or two of them can be from elsewhere. We do want that. We do want other things. So how do you strike the balance? Yeah, so, so I, I think it's it's just like when you're out drinking for uh, heavy nights, everything's in moderation. Um, I mean, we can't, you know, you know, we work with Upland Brewing Company out of out of Bloomington, Indiana. Um, you know, and, or or we work with the entire twelve percent portfolio. So you know, Evil Twins, Stillwater, you know, all that stuff on the line. I can't or off the off color in Chicago, which which is probably the best example. I could buy as much off color as I possibly want, but if consumers aren't going to pick it up. Why, why then I said beer going bad in my warehouse. So, so for us, we literally have to play a game. It really comes down to inventory control and really trying to moderate that. So for us, like we're never going to be, we're never going to buy um, with Aslan right now. I can tell everybody out there listening when you hear this, we're out of Aslan. We sold out already. It sold out within the, within the first day we had it. That being said, there'll be more to come. But 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 you're never going to see us buy container loads or truck loads of Aslan because. We might sell half it, but then the other half is just going to sit in the store. I mean, I mean, look at all the, you know, recent beer introductions in the state. There's breweries out there, and I won't put anyone on blast either, that I know for a fact that if you go out and look for a specific IPA, you can't find it that, that's under four months. I know for a fact that there's a major brewery entry that came in here in the state. You can't see any fresh IPA in the last four months. That doesn't do anyone any good. All you're doing is you're hurting your brand over time. So it has to be done in moderation. We... 
purposefully will take beers and order what we think we can sell on a very quick basis because we're trying to flip through. We're trying to basically get beers in, basically out of our building, from the brewery, into our building, out of our building, into retailers, and out of the retailers as fast as humanly possible. And the only way to really do that is to kind of control the inventory that comes in and control that and really stay on top of it. There may be times where, you know, we get hung with some stuff, but you know what, for us, if, if beer's past its prime, I'll destroy it. I don't care. You know I mean? I'd rather take the hit. I mean, we, we, we destroyed thousands of dollars of kegs during the pandemic because, you know what, I was not going to reopen in June, July with old, with old IPA. I just wouldn't do it. You know, we're not, we're reopening right now on premise. I'd be hard pressed for you. You tell me if there's an IPA and kegs in my, in our inventory right now, that's over two months old. There's not. Because if they are, I've already destroyed it. That was my conversation with Mike Turriff from M4CIC. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss anything across the Metro Detroit craft beer landscape and beyond. Plus, you can always follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Zach E. Clark, Zach with an H, on Instagram at The Brewman Chew, and TikTok at Brewman Chew. You can see what I'm up to there.